the message or the brand. You know, the message is part of the brand, though, in my right, opinion, exactly. right? <laughs> now, here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing. A lot of people would say, hey, should I build a brand first or should I go to market, right? Well, good question for you. Can you go to market before even having a brand? No, no, because right? then the brand will be made in a vacuum. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the brilliant Ari Trzek, co-founder and chief creative officer at Seekalofia. Ari loves helping femtech, DTC, and women-led brands transform their website into a platform that unlocks business opportunities. She serves as a branding UX consultant and professional peer in support of fellow female entrepreneurs through the number one ranked private business incubator in the world, 1871 Chicago, and Chicago's global healthcare startup incubator, Matter. She's the co-host of the Halo Fumtech podcast, a podcast that honors disruptive innovators and changemakers advancing women's health. Furthermore, she helps women in tech and design break into the industry and succeeds in it by mentoring them for personal branding, career advancement, and entrepreneurship through Interaction Design Foundation and ADP List. It's the Ari and Annie show. There we go. New theme song. Just kidding. What on earth do small business owners need to focus on this very week? Good question. I would say live your brand. It's very broad. Live your brand. Yes. It's well, so I mean, but live is very actionable. It's not honor <laughs> your brand, infuse your brand, or even be your brand. You're like straight up live your brand. Yes. What does that mean? Is that like fake it till you make it or make it after you fake it? Or like, what does living your brand mean to you? I freaking love this already. Okay. So live your brand. By that, what I mean is that Ask yourself, what is it that you stand for? Okay. And then the second one, what are you against? If you have mm-hmm. some sense of where it is that you truly feel connected towards, right? Especially around what you stand for. I think it's going to definitely be easier for you to understand what kind of values you truly want to bring into your own business and thus your brand. Now, when I say live your brand. I'm not just saying that, hey, you have this mission statement, you have brand purpose statement, all the different statements that you have and all the values and attributes you have for your brand. That's great. But have you told people about them, right? Have you told your internal team? Have you told your employee, your partners, or even your audience the things that- Have you told yourself, right? To your point, have you identified what is truly fueling you? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know. It's hard. It is freaking hard. And you know what? I love that you said, what are you for? But also, what are you against? Because 
In my work with my people, one of my favorite questions to ask is, what do you do better than all of your competitors? And a lot of my people who are very heart-centered have a real issue with the better part of that because they don't want to put their competitors down. They don't know what makes them supreme, da, da, da. But in the same breath, if I turn around and ask that exact same client, how do your competitors neglect your prospects? They can tell me 900,000 things. Or how does your competitor mistreat your prospects? Because sometimes that's true too. And they'll go, oh, well, they're arm twisting and they're lazy and they promise one thing and they don't deliver. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you stand against. So sometimes it's easier to identify what is unacceptable to us Mm -hmm. than what fuels us even, right? Because we're all moving a million miles a minute. And and we're supposed to be, you know, authentic and on top of our shit with all of that. Sometimes, you know, what's taking care of business look like for me gets a little lost in. I have to schedule three weeks worth of tweets in order to be my brand. Right. Yeah. I love that you mentioned authentic, by the way. So the thing about being authentic, sometimes it can be really hard for us to really define what does authentic even mean? People would say that, yeah, Yeah. we're authentic, we're this, we're that. But what does that even mean? Like you have to define that a bit more because saying that your brand is authentic, it's almost like you're just throwing dragons at people because it's not fully defined, right? When you say that, hey, I stand for, let's just say I stand for equality, then you are saying a very specific thing. So you are authentic in delivering equality or really supporting equality, right? And here's the thing too. All of this going to come back to you, to your brand as part of your brand identity. I'm not talking about your logo. I'm not talking about your colors. I'm not talking about your font type. Yes, we're talking about your brand. Yes. The way that your essence makes people feel and what it inspires in them. Your brand, not your logo, not your hex codes. That's <laughs> yes. part of it, but it's not the whole thing. Like, Why do you think we've adopted such a narrow idea of what this gigantic universe of branding is. Why do you think when you take the average entrepreneur, especially early entrepreneur or small business owner off the street, and you Mm -hmm. say, show me your brand, the first thing they do is pull up their logo. How did that happen? Yeah. My guess is to be honest with you is because all of those are visual, right? We can see it. It's something that you can truly see the shape, the structure of it, the colors of it or whatnot. But the hard thing is to really quantify or even to put in writing all things around emotion because emotion is something we feel, right? We can't truly see that. And for a lot of us who just think like, okay, yeah, my logo is my brand. You need more than that. Yes, everything that you have around your brand will be manifested into your logo, but that's only a very small portion of it. Now, going back to, you know, your brand identity, think of it this way. If you create such a, uh, a, such a brand identity, right, that truly fuels from your own um, values and your own things that you have for what it is that you stand for or, you know, what you're against, you're going to attract other people or your specific target audience that truly will resonate with what you do, what you values. and they will align your brand identity to their identity. Yes. 
Yes. And then they can turn around and evangelize it because they understand it because they feel seen by it and included within it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's when a brand becomes a movement. That's when a brand becomes a message. Mm -hmm. Right. Is when somebody else sees themselves reflected in that. I love that because that being your brand in that way is so freaking different than like I, I think of my beloved parents all the time. Like anytime my mom would come out with a book my dad would wear a shirt with the cover of the book everywhere he went, legitimately everywhere. Fancy restaurants, the DMV, it didn't matter. Didn't matter who he was with, didn't matter where it was going. Every single thing was either a sweatshirt or a t-shirt with my mom's book on it. And in that point, yes, he's living the family brand by being tenacious and a little yeah. obnoxious, but <laughs> but it's not about like, oh, I need to help my wife and live her brand. So I'm going to wear this T-shirt. It was never about the T-shirt. It was about the tenacity, right? Yes. But so many of us make it about the T-shirt. Oh, I need to be my brand. So I need to make sure that every time I'm on video, I'm wearing one of my branded colors. Okay. If, if that is really, truly a crucial component of your brand, but I'd rather you show up and talk as yourself than worry about if you're wearing the right shade of yellow. Am I off here? Tell me. About no, what's no, no, no. You. you are totally on point there. And here's the thing too. You'll notice like different brands out there. I'm just going to think Glossier because that's the one that keeps showing up in my feed. Even with yeah. Glossier, right? They have merch. They don't mm -hmm. sell merch as the primary you know, mm -hmm. bread and butter. That's not what they do. They do, you know, beauty products, right? Yep. But their brand is just so fun for a lot yep. of us, especially women. And we so lean towards that particular look and feel and the emotion and everything. And when we do see that they have this merch, we immediately want to buy one and become their ambassador with all these like pink sweaters and glossier yes. tags in the front. Isn't it? It is. I mean, well... On a personal note, I put cheek stain on my lips the other day because I had a sample. So if y'all get those samples that I get from your previous purchases, make sure you look if it says lip or cheek. But dang, if that color wasn't good for me. But you're right. Like we think about I think about in like the 90s and the early 2000s when everybody was wearing like Abercrombie, Aeropostale, um, <laughs> Hail figure, like all of this stuff. But like, I feel like the 90s was just one giant walking logo, like the mm -hmm. late 90s and early aughts. And I never really understood that as a kid, but I certainly understand it now of wanting to emblazon yourself with the logo or the name of someone because yeah. you feel status from that. You mm -hmm. feel connection from that. You feel like it's part of your identity. I'm walking around in this Hilfiger shirt. I'm walking around in this Lacoste shirt. What does that say about me? Yes. Right. And we see that all across. And that is very intentional. Right. The fact that Tiffany's boxes are that very specific blue mm -hmm. is very intentional. But Tiffany's isn't banking on the blue. They're banking on giving you a really high end exclusive experience if yeah. you're brave enough to walk through the door. Yes. And you hit it right there when you say, what does this say about me? Right. Again, mm -hmm. it is our identity and thinking of yourself, even if you own a business, even you are an entrepreneur, but think of yourself as a consumer. When you mm -hmm. see all of these different logos out there, or even like T-shirts and all the different merchandises with somebody else's logo, how do mm -hmm. you feel about that? Are you, 
you know, such an advocate for that brand? Or do you feel like I will never, you know, Mm -hmm. wear anybody else's brand aside from mine? Because my husband is that way. He's like refusing to attach his identity with any other brand that he doesn't truly feel connected to. Right. I pick and choose. Like I will be like, oh, I don't understand why everybody's getting the 9,000 Louis Vuitton, you know, the $9,000 Louis Vuitton jacket <laughs> that just got L's and V's all over it. I don't understand that. But like, I will search on Poshmark for six months for a particular pair of Pumas. Like everybody's got their thing, they right? Do. And I feel like it would be really easy for me to be like, oh, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Until I look deeper and be like, girl, you own two Angela Lansbury pillows. Two, not branded, just pictures of her face all over a pillow. So maybe you shouldn't be judging people for their Louis Vuitton coats. Like <laughs> everybody's got their shit. But again, it's kind of funny that like my ardent obsession with Angela Lansbury, my clients know about it. People that listen to this show know about it. So like it is not unusual for me to be going about the course of my day and get what I think is a text from a client that's actually a picture of Angela Lansbury. And they're just like, saw this, thought of you, love you. And I'm like, okay, I'm cool with that being part of my brand. Just like someone would be really cool about getting their headshot taken in or, you know, promotional photos taken in that glossier pink. Yeah, exactly. And you know, okay, here's the thing, Annie. All of these talk about you know, leveraging brand identity to influence somebody else's identity, right? Mm -hmm. You have to connect it with user journey. If you haven't thought about this yet, you definitely need to start working on what would your own user journey look for your customers. Mm -hmm. Now, we all have all those like personas, right? We have this customer A or customer B or whatnot. But if you want to start, start with one. Start with the top consumer or the type of maybe mm-hmm. client that always um, come your way that you truly enjoy working with or the one that you want to get more of, right? Interview yeah, the them. truly ideal, beyond the yes. ideal to the paramount client. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time, if, if we don't or if we're new, sometimes that's us, right? Sometimes it's us as client zero, but most of us can summon up uh, that one golden, I want 10 people of these people, like I want 10 of these yeah. clones. I want... 12 Helens, right? Whatever it may yeah. be. Keep going. Keep going. Didn't mean to cut yeah. you off. No, um, and, and you were right too, right? Because sometimes as a business owner or entrepreneur, you might not have these clients yet. And that's okay. You can, however, you know, create some sort of like, you know, um, an avatar based on of your current imagination, or mm-hmm. maybe you validate it from having a certain friend or people in your network who are close to that ideal type of person. You can interview them. Now, back to the user journey. Why do you you think this is so important? It's because I personally feel like user journey really help you see where do your target audience find out about you. And you can truly create and design the experiences for them. Think of it this way. If you leverage the you know, UX tool, um, user journey with the AIDA approach, right? So AIDA yep. is um, awareness, interest, desire, and action. Yep. How would they be aware about all the things that you do, all the things that you're offering? And then when they show interest, what would they need to do, right? What can mm-hmm. you supply information for them to consider you? And then that information need to, you know, kind of spark desire for them 
to move forward with you, whether it's to book you or to literally buy you on that spot. Sorry, not buy you, <laughs> buy your product or services in your business or in your website. And from, from there, what would be the action that they would need to do next, right? Yes. And if yes. you have more space to think about the experiences here, how are you going to retain them after all of these different interactions? Right. Right. It's, a it's lot. not just about sucking them in and losing them right mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. How do we grow with these people? How do we foster their growth with us? Right. Yes. One of my favorite user journey questions that I ask my clients all the time is what is their emotional life like when they find you? Ideally, their emotional life when they find you and their emotional life when they graduate from you are vastly different. How do we get from point A to point B, right? So there's the user journey into discovering you. And then to your point in the AIDA, there's the whole buying process of their discovery and then retention, right? Then customer service and customer experience and customer retention and customer evangelism. We don't get there if we're like, cool, gotcha, and then done. Thanks for liking my yeah. shiny. You're done. It's like, that would be like buying a ticket for Disneyland and then you get in through the gates of Disneyland and there's no park. <laughs> that would be a bad experience. Right? That would suck. But oh, yeah. that's what happens a lot of time, especially if we're purporting that our brand values are things like accessibility. And then we're not. Right? Or transparency. And then we're not. We're inviting people to an empty theme park. Or alternatively, you know, on the flip side, I've also seen people with exceptionally boring brands that get people in and then dazzle them too much when their real selves are revealed, right? It's like mm. a Greek god. You're not supposed to look into the face of Zeus. You'll like spontaneously <laughs> combust. So, you know, it's like you get somebody's website, which all looks very standard and type A and clean. And then you get them on a sales call or you get into their program and they're like, hey, fuck, it's good to see you. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> who is this person? Right. Because their brand was too safe. But mm. to your point from before, if I'm not looking at the full journey, I'm just pandering, pandering to single emotion. And if I'm not living my brand, I can fake whatever I want. That's true. But they're going to catch it eventually. That they will. Yes. And I like that you mentioned this because creating a consistent experience, that can be tough sometimes, right? But this is where I feel like this user journey, this AID approach is really going to help you because then you can control the consistency. You're not yes. just like, okay, we'll just swing it this way and then hope things um going to work and people are going to reach out to us and then we'll just wing it from there. No, you don't just like wing it. You have to plan right. things properly to create an everlasting experience for people to feel they will truly be connected to you and they have you know some sort of expectation. What can they expect from you from the day one they reach out to you? Yes, and that consistency and that solid, reliable experience also will help you in customer service issues or mm. when you humanly 
make a mistake because of the experience gap, right? We grade every experience on a curve based on our prior experiences. If I have one bad meal at my favorite restaurant, I'm going to be disappointed, but it's probably still going to be my favorite restaurant unless they royally screwed it up, threw my food in my face and told me to never come back, right? Like one bad burger is not going to ruin a restaurant. But similarly, you know, if you're always on time for your client calls every single freaking time, and then one day you're five minutes late, the client's going to forgive that because that's atypical behavior. Mm-hmm. The only way that you can create atypical behavior is to have typical, reliable, consistent behavior so that the client knows what to expect from you. Right. And that's the same thing, whether they're a prospect or a client. So all the more reason why you got to get actionable and live your dang brand. (laughs) Completely, (sighs) completely. A hundred percent. Gosh, you know, it it is hard sometimes for us entrepreneurs, right, to kind of keep up with this consistency, making things look um, cohesive and things like that. But one thing that truly I also feel is helpful is to, again, live your brand. Because when you start sharing all of these different vision and the consistent or even like the guidelines that you have with people around you that help you build a business, whether it maybe your internal team or employee you hire, or maybe like, you know, other people that you outsource, they are on the same page in terms of how can we deliver this particular brand in terms of the message, you know, how we typically would behave and things like that. Everybody's in sync with that particular approach. And they're not going to be, you know, different mishap because, oh, I didn't know that we were supposed to do X. I didn't know that we we're supposed to do or, or say things like this, right? Everybody's yeah. is in agreement that this brand behaves this way. Here's the guideline, mm-hmm. live it every day, right? And um, that's one way for you to also create consistency because eventually you're not going to be in all the production or dealing with the client right away or maybe do the, um, maybe customer service on your own, you're going to have your team to rely on to do all these things Mm -hmm. for you. And as the founder, you're going to step away from a lot of that, but the brand still need to live on its own. And that's your own team. And you will feel so much better about handing it off when you've been consistent because your team won't be confused about what your brand is. Right. Mm -hmm. How often do we see consistent color? Again, I'm not trying to dog logos or logo designers (laughs) or colors or the brilliant. No offense. Pick them. I'm not trying to like do that at all. But what I'm saying is you can always tell where that's when a brand stops. Mm. Right. Because the tone is everywhere. The voice is everywhere. The audience is everywhere. The message is everywhere. All of that is part of it. So my question for you is. You brought up the idea of message. In your opinion, in an ideal situation, in this chicken and egg scenario, what comes first, the message or the brand? Ooh, that's a good question, Annie. The message or the brand? You know, the message is part of the brand, though, in my opinion, right? (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. A lot of people would say, hey, should I build a brand first or should I go to market, right? Well, good question for you. Can you go to market before even having a brand? No, no, because then the brand will be made in a vacuum. Like if you don't intentionally, I've seen this a million times, as I'm sure you've seen it a billion times. If you don't make a brand, a brand will be made around you 
by yeah. your not making it. Exactly. Exactly that. And to answer your question, it starts with the brand. And our, you know, our mindset around the brand, it's, it's such a traditional mindset because all we see is just all these colors, beautiful logo, blah, you know, whatnot, right? But, you know, there's so much more to the brand. Mm -hmm. Looking at your brand foundation, right? The things like, who are you really? Like, really? Mm -hmm. What is this brand all about? Ask yourself that first. Like, what impact are you trying to create in the market? Is there a gap that you're trying to fill in? What would make a customer want to buy from you? And a lot of people would say, mm. hey, that is actually part of marketing. It yeah. can, but honestly, everything starts with the brand. Because, everything starts with the brand. If you don't yes. know what the nucleus is, how are you going to provide, to your point, a consistent mm -hmm. experience? Mm -hmm. Yes. All Roller coasters are fun. We don't want to rely on one, right? Like <laughs> our our flaky best or our flaky, you know, our flaky cousin that comes around and takes us out for drinks and is super fun is a super fun person, but you're not going to ask them to house sit. Like you're just not. You got to have that reliability. What about yeah. trends or gimmicks in branding? Is it good to lean into trend, out of trend? Do we pay attention to trend? Mm. What What about being in the now? Is the now important or is the now a trap? I would say it depends. I know a lot of people would say, well, that's a very generic answer, Ari. It depends, right? No, but, but it's not. It's <laughs> not a very generic answer because nothing is black or white. Everything yeah. is shades of gray. So keep yeah. going. All right. So going back, it depends. Why it depends? Simply because think of it this way. You are one unique person. Every brand is unique to itself, right? Especially because number one, you are the unique person building it. You have your own story, right? Think of it also like you are a person because you have so many different moments that build up. That creates who you are today. The brand is exactly like that. You're infusing a lot of your own values into the brand. But over time, it would also get infused with other people's values, like your communities, like your audience, like your buyers, or even like your team. So you birthing this thing out, it comes out of you. It's going to be unique to you and unique in the market. So again, it depends because... Everybody has a different approach. Everybody has a different purpose. Every brand has different message unique to them. I love, though, the way that you also just brought that out is like as other people come into it, as it shifts and grows, the brand will evolve. Right. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've done in the past that's been absolutely terrifying, but so liberating, I think for me in recent history was when I rebranded from the Idea Doula to the Non-Lazy Sales Academy. And yeah. I was so freaking scared to do that because I liked my old brand. I didn't know how the new one was going to be received. The people around me liked it. My advisors liked it, but I just didn't really know until my coach sat me down and reminded me, which proves your point perfectly. She said, babe, you could call yourself a banana. At the end of the day, your brand is Annie P. Ruggles. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> right? Because I was getting caught up on the, is the new logo right? Are the new colors right? Is the messaging funny and clear and sticky enough? Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, though, the brand's still me. My values are still my values. 
How mm-hmm. I want people to feel is unchanged, even when the names and the nomenclature and the domain names change. Right. So yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh my God. Perfect transition. <gasps> Speaking of rebranding <laughs> and name changes. Oh my God. I have been so excited ever since you told me we were going to talk about this to talk about the biggest branding pop culture question that I could possibly ever desire or dream to ask anyone, which is Anna Delvey, branding or fraud? What do you think? (laughs) I would say branding, to be honest. I would too. Okay. 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 Like, okay. I don't think the crimes are necessarily great, but talk about a bitch that can like that consistently delivered. Based on everything we just did, she lived her brand with her whole freaking essence. Mm -hmm. She was completely consistent. Even though other people got different glimpses of her, she was still a socialite. She was still rich. She was still upwardly mobile. She was still an heiress. She was still like a super snob and a bitch to everyone. Like, that's her brand, baby. Yep. Yep. Definitely that. You know, this is really exciting because when I watched this, I was honestly skeptical, right? Mm -hmm. But then the more I watch it, I start seeing slightly different side of who she is and how she's really trying to, you know, bring this big vision of hers to life. And she's yeah. being super consistent in all of her approach. She knows who to target, right? Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she knows mm-hmm. what gap that she needs to fill. And on top of that, he's aligning herself with the yeah. right people, the right partner. Yeah. Right. To be and taken she seriously. Knows how to influence them. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I would say she is definitely living her brand. Living her freaking brand. It's so totally true. You know, and it's not like we haven't seen people go by variations of their names before or mm. even wildly different names. Let's not forget about Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, a.k.a. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Diddy, a.k.a. Sean Combs again. Right. <laughs> like all of that was branding. Yeah. Right. The the new Kardashian show, which is not keeping up with the is just called the Kardashians. New network. Same show. <laughs> right. So that again, branding. Uh, Anna Sorokin calling herself Anna Delvey. Branding. Oh, well, yes. A hundred percent. Right. And so I think that I, I got so excited earlier in the interview when you brought up the idea of authenticity, because Isn't it okay if some brands are meant to be fantastical? Oh, yeah. I mean, every single brand should be fantastic in their own way. But the thing is about being fantastic in your own way, right? Your idea of fantastic might be different from other people's idea of fantastic. So you need to define Mm -hmm. it, right? Even if you say like, oh, yeah, we're luxurious and modern. What does that mean? It tells me nothing, right? You have to define what that means. Is it well, because and luxurious for who? What's luxurious for yes. my middle class butt and what's <laughs> luxurious for Anna Delvey are very, very different. Like they are. Like I love this great scene. I think it's in the first or second episode of Inventing Anna, where she and Anna Chomsky are sitting there, uh, Vivian, the character Vivian. And yeah. she's like, What is up with the way you dress? And she's like, This is a nice top. And she's like, No, you look like trash. Like mm. again, Vivian says, Vivian sees nice top. Anna Delvey mm. says, trash. Mm. What is luxurious? Depends on the person. 
Exactly. Okay, so going back to this real quick, because I know Mm -hmm. a lot of us has different perception of things, right? Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. this is a good segue for you to also understand if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. When you target specific target audience, don't say you target everybody. That was a very big no-no. Yeah. Oh my God. Please don't. Please don't do that. Especially if you're my client. If I ever hear you do that, are you trying to kill my soul? Come on, guys. (laughs) No, but don't because that's... Keep going. Keep going. I want to let you talk. Keep talking. You just keep getting me so excited. I just can't stop. No, Annie, be quiet and listen. I will be quiet and listen. Keep talking. Okay. So, yeah. Do not target anybody. Just like what Annie mentioned. But the thing is, sometimes even if you don't target anybody, right? You would say, mm-hmm. okay, we're targeting like women. And that's it. I was like, wait, hang on. You said you were targeting women. Okay, that's great. That's half of the majority of people in, on earth. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. still very broad. Like, who is it? Who are these women? Because here's a couple of things that you also need to think about. Every one of us, we're in different stage of our life. We're completely different ages, mm-hmm. right? And we have mm-hmm. completely different needs. So unless yeah. you have a lot of money <laughs> and a lot of oh marketing and branding budget like Nike or Amazon or things like that, you're going to run out of cash or your funds very quickly, right? But you want to be- Like Anna Delvey. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But she's smart, though. I mean, like, look at her. She has- yeah, but you. Powerful connections and very long persuasive skills. I mean, that is totally true. Like, I think that's part of the reason, too, where I'm like branding or fraud. I'm like, branding. She just got people to invest in her personal brand. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so that's it, right? All right, keep going. No, no, no worries. Um, So again, back to what Annie mentioned earlier. Think of it as your target audience, a very specific person you truly want to get more of. If you know their specific needs, define that. If you know what age they are in terms of range, define that. And please don't say between 25 to 65. That's a big range. Oh, my God. So be more specific. The thing is saying I target women. Like, come on, (laughs) y'all. Exactly. And then also target which, you know, life stage are they in right now? Maybe they are currently trying to build Mm -hmm. family. Or maybe they just got married or they actually want to downsize. Where are they in their Mm -hmm. stage? That's going to give you a really great data in terms of how to pinpoint where they are. Yes. And where do they feel like they should be? Because Mm -hmm. that gap is largely what we're selling, right? That solution to a problem or advancement is what most people in personal development or health or any of these things are selling. You believe you should be here. You're not. Let me help you get there. Or you are achieving and working so hard to accomplish something. Let's give you some more wind in your sails, right? So we have to know the emotions and the psychographics of that just as much as we need to know where they are in the world, if not more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I can add to that, also think about what contribute to their decision, right? So maybe Mm. they are truly concerned about budget. Or maybe they just want to get things done. They do not care. They have some ways to invest into something and they just want things to be out of their plate. Let somebody else take care of it. So figure out what is the most important thing for them. 
what contributes to their decision? Do they just want some help, you know, efficiently and effectively and get things out of their plate? Or do they actually do care, like, it's okay if they want to do it themselves and, you know, they are definitely budget conscious, right? So determine that. Well, and there's an incredible example of what you're talking about in Inventing Anna, where um, she the, the reporter is trying to get an exclusive interview with mm-hmm. Anna, and Anna's just not having it for myriad reasons. And one of her friends encourages the reporter to look at, like, what her true motivations are, mm. and she does. And so she goes in and she's like, I will get you what you want. I will make you famous. And yeah. to that, she wasn't saying like, hey, let me appeal to your nobility. Let me appeal to your whatever. She straight up was like, I know what you want, baby. You want to be famous. Let's do this. Yes. Why don't we talk as plainly to our own brand, especially about stuff like pain points, right? We skirt around what people actually want, which is the cessation of pain. Mm-hmm. And we say like, oh, well, you want to feel better. No, they don't want to feel better. They don't want to be in pain anymore. And with medical stuff, we got to be careful about how we talk about physical pain or mm-hmm. medically like based pain. But we can talk about emotional pain all day. We can talk about frustration yeah. and overwhelm and disconnect and exhaustion and burnout and all of these things. That's what we can talk to. Mm-hmm. Then, then we could say, well, let us help you take that away, right? We're selling it towards something. So I just love how clearly she's like, you want to be famous. Okay, yes. And that clarity opened the door. That messaging opened the door. That authenticity in that moment opened the door because Anna felt seen. Yes, and also understood, right? You know, Annie, and also understood. you point a really good um things in here because it reminds me of a lot a lot of messaging out there a lot of brands dance around what it is that they truly do for the audience right it's like we do this we do that blah 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 but the one thing that your audience truly want is that how you can make them feel maybe you can say yeah we line up your load right so you can do your own things maybe it's family that is the most important thing for you we'll let you let's just say like something along the lines of you know we give back your time so that you can spend time more with your family isn't that what they essentially wanted to do right maybe you're actually helping them yeah i don't know cleaning cleaning the office so that they don't have to do it or maybe cleaning their dishes or whatnot whatever it is right they want whatever it is yeah but something giving you time back And something giving you time with your family back is very different branding, right? Mm -hmm. It's a layer of specificity that really will, again, turn some people away, but more importantly, act like a beacon for the people that are like, yes, thank you. I'm not trying to get more time so I can sit on my ass. It would be nice to drop my kid off at school at a normal time. Very everyday, very clear, very relatable, but often branded in. Are you busy? Are you kidding me with this? Are you busy copy? (laughs) We're all freaking busy. Give me somebody who's not busy and they're busy not being busy. Like everybody is freaking busy. Don't just ask me if you're busy. That's the same thing as being like, oh, I work with busy women. Who is not a busy woman? I don't care if you got kids, dogs, your period. Like your period alone is a job. We yeah. learned that from turning red. Like your period <laughs> is a job. 
Oh my goodness. Um, so you know, where did Anna go wrong, in your opinion? Where, if anywhere, did the brand go too far, or did she become a criminal, or did she ever? Yeah. It's a really interesting, you know, blurry line, in my opinion, right? Because there's this one way to look at it. She's genuinely want to see her vision to become a reality, to become a reality, right? She wants to see her vision to become yes. a reality, but she doesn't have the money. And she had to take it till you make it, right? Which is, uh, to me, it is unfortunate, but... Our culture, though, sometimes demands that we have to fake it till you make it, right? And I think she did take it too far, in my opinion. However, the way she truly living the brand and embodied the brand, had she actually, you know, be honest, maybe, it might have a different outcome. However, though... At least with the people that loved her. Like, at least she could be like, y'all... My last name's Sorokin. I was born in Russia. Mm. I don't have all of this money, but that's our secret. Like, even that would be different. Yes, but, you know, it's getting into, you know, this side of morality, too, right? Because you technically don't have the money. And then yet you say that you have this, you know, 60 million funds stashed somewhere, which is completely a lie. And where is that line then in terms of like lying to people who will be funding your business and it is a legal entity, right? Yes. And, and there are deciders and people's livelihoods on the line. You and I were talking Mm. in the pre-chat. I told you to watch the dropout about Elizabeth Holmes Mm -hmm. or out for blood, whichever one, they're both good. Um, But Elizabeth Holmes is even more of an extreme example than that than Anna Delvey because you're right. She fully believed that what she was doing was going to radically change the world and she fully believed that it was possible. Mm-hmm. But the problem they had with her was she was saying machines existed that worked that didn't and then she was actually faking the tests, mm-hmm. right? That, yeah. When you're faking the test to get more investment, that is tricking people out of their money. That is fraud. Exactly. But to your previous point about Anna, all that tech team and all of that testing had to come from funding or it would never get off the ground. And as easy as it is for mega gajillionaires to say, oh, just bootstrap it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter. You're like, do y'all actually know how hard it is to make money on a dream in this world. Like, it is tough. So you kind of got to look at the Elizabeth Holmes and look at the Anna Delvies and be like, sociopathic? Possibly. (laughs) Brilliant? Extremely. Admirable? Oddly kind of. Hmm. But you're being put in Hmm. so, you know, different and honestly impossible position to truly inspired by her right in in a way there is something in these two women that gives us the encouragement that yes you can achieve this but the morality you can't fake it right that's the big thing in my opinion because now you're looking at 
these empowerment women trying to really push you to the top and, you know, support one another. But can we stop with the fake it till you make it? Because that is honestly crushing. Come on. Or, you know, even one of the things that's really common, and I, I teach this in some aspects, but not in all. One of the things that I know is really, really common in, in business building is the idea of building the plane while you're flying it. Mm. And I think building your plane while you're flying it is great for something like building an online program where you're mm. doing it on a module drip and you're like two modules ahead and you can see what they're responding to and sort of build accordingly or buy yourself yeah. time that way. But I think building the, fl- the plane while flying it doesn't work so well when you're raising millions of dollars of capital. No. Yeah. You're right. You kind of got to have more chops than that. And that's faking it till you make it right. Like I can fake having a complete program and that's not really an ethical violation. By the time they're ready for the complete program, it'll be there. I know what to sell them. I know what to offer them. I know what to price this thing because I can see Mm -hmm. where this is going. But I'm also not going on Shark Tank and being like, my academy has 75,000 students because she don't. Correct. Yes. So Annie, oh gosh. I'm curious. Yeah. What should we replace fake it till you make it with? Oh, shit. That is a gorgeous question. Because in a way, you still need to feel, I guess, empowered on your own way, right? To keep going. We doubt other people having a very specific perception of you that you cannot lie about. What can we do? I think it's like take bold, inspired action is the difference. Like it's the new fake it till you make it right. Because the fake it part is like, just get out there and do actually Mm. do right. Step into the role of dress, the part of talk, the talk of all of those things are active. Right. So I feel like there has to be an active component. And because making it is the goal, we know that we're not going to make it if we're not consistent. We know that we're not going to make it if we're not brave or bold. So I'd say, I guess it's like, I don't know how to make it rhyme, though. Uh, <laughs> you don't uh, have to make it rhyme. Yes, it does. We're replacing a very <laughs> beloved slogan, Ari. Come on. Uh, uh, bold it till you hold it. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> We're going to uh, have to work on that. Act it till you've packed it. How about, I know what, I know what the opposite is. How about live your brand? Okay, that can be too. You know, I was actually going to make mean, it simple. your very first way. Oh, what about what? Just be you. Oh, shit. That's really <laughs> clear. Be you until being you turns into <laughs> being you. Like, being, be you until you get paid for it. There you go. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my God. I feel like I could talk to you for years. I am just so in love with your brain. And the way you look at these things and I just I'm getting such a thrill from this idea of like, where does the brand stop? Where does the fraud begin? But I think you're right. I think it's where the presentation wears off and the ethics underneath are because Anna didn't care about anybody other than Anna. That's true. And Elizabeth Holmes didn't really care about anybody other than Elizabeth Holmes. And most con people don't care about the people that they're conning. I think that's the difference is that if we stripped away our brand colors, if we stripped away our logo, if we stripped away our fancy copywriting and our hashtags, our ethics and our values are supposed to be 
clearly on display there. And I yes. think when that's the difference is if if something is hollow, that's not what we're going for. We're not going for all show, no value. Agreed. And it's going to come back to the two questions that we talked about earlier, right? What yeah. do you stand for? And what are you against? Does everybody And who do that? you stand for? Right? To uh, your point, too. I yes, don't stand for just all women. I stand especially for women who, right? I stand for moms who are losing their identities. I stand for trans women who are getting denied their role in feminism. I stand for whoever, whoever it yeah. is, not just women. Both of those examples are women, but dudes and non-binary folks, we love you too. But just in both of those examples, right? Like, who do you, yeah. what do you stand for? What do you stand against? Who do you stand with? Yes. Right? Who do you stand with? Right now, all of these brands are taking the time to say, we stand with Ukraine. Yeah. Now, some brands that's coming off very performative and other brands is coming off very genuine. I think that's to your point about consistency. Have we seen caring from this brand before mm. or is this totally out of left field? And if it is totally out of left field, are they saying we don't normally get involved in political things, but we don't think what's happening in Ukraine is political, right? That's mm. the thing too. Yeah. Right. But but having that value, taking that stand. Oh, my God, I love this. All right. I have two more questions for you before I release you back to your brilliant day and like go cry in glee about how much <laughs> I love this interview. Um, My first question for you is. Ooh, ooh, it's a twofer. All right. You're rebranding Anna Delvey style. Ooh. <laughs> what is your name? What is your name? And what town or hotel are you going to live in first? Oh, my God. This is hard. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> All right. Your first question was rebranding the name. Is that right? Yeah. What would your what would your Anna Delvey name be? Katrin Rose. Ooh. You know, it's actually my fake name when I was when I was teenager. <laughs> Oh my God, we're we're just bringing back a classic. There you go. It's called oh Classics, reviving the old brand. I can dig it. And uh, what city are you calling home first? Honestly, I would say Paris. I mean, yeah, May is freaking <laughs> well. May as freaking well. All of the beauty, the baguettes, and the shopping. Yes, please. And the fashion. And the fashion. Shout out to the actor who plays Val on Inventing Anna. The whole cast is incredible. Agreed. But I just felt so deeply for him from start to finish. So, dude, I wish I knew your name. I'll put it in the show notes. I think you're great. <laughs> All right. One more question for you. If I need a whole brand that reflects me and that I totally have the room to grow with and live ardently. Obviously, I need you. How do my listeners come into your world? How do they start a conversation with you? How do they get your eyes and your heart in their brand? Yeah, you know what? That's actually pretty easy. You can always go check out my website, um, skelphia.com, or the short one would be cklph.com. You'll see a call to action there to book a call with me, and we can always start from there. And they'll know that it's you yes. because you will show up consistently. Oh, yes. It will be me or my husband or both of uh, both of us. So you get, you know, either both of us or me exclusively just for you. Well, ooh, I wonder what his name would be. I'll ask him when <laughs> I meet him. 
right? Peter. Maybe I'll, well, what is his name going to be, though? Oh, his, his, for his yeah. not his actual name. That's a what's good his? Question. What do you think his Delvey name would be? I don't know. Maybe Alejandro well, we something. Ooh, I like Alejandro. I like the name Alejandro something. I am Alejandro something, right? Oh, the mysterious Alejandro something. Um, But this has been absolutely thrilling. Thank you so much for lending your person and your brain and your brand to my brand and my brain today. It has been a pure delight and I hope you'll come back on the show again soon. Ooh, that would be nice to come back. Thank you so much, Annie. This has been thrilling and wonderful. Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. And it probably won't even have any crimes in it. Well, hey there, listeners. I was tempted to try to do this in Anna Delvey's accent, but I can't. And you've been through enough. So I'll spare you the attempt after just this one quote. Anna Delvey is a fucking legend. She was, and she still is. Now, at point of recording this part, Anna is in ICE custody awaiting deportation to Germany. She has not yet responded to my begging for an interview, but I'll keep you posted. And since that recording, Inventing Anna continues to captivate people on Netflix. And as such, I've asked a whole boatload of small business professionals of all stripes to chime in on the central question, Anna Delvey, branding or fraud. And guess what, folks? Ding, ding, ding. We unanimously say branding. Not that what she did was right. We don't condone lying or even bending the truth here at the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy. But Anna had a vision and she made other people see it. Anna's dream for the Anna Delvey Foundation, the ADF, her hideaway for the super rich and fashionable, got people so damn excited. They were willing to put their own established brands on the line. They were willing to part with millions of dollars of capital. And that is frick admirable whether you're an heiress or an orphan. Your homework this week in Anna's honor is to think bigger. We spend all day bogged down in emails, social media, accounting, admin stuff. But what the heck is the larger goal we're working toward? If you got handed millions of dollars tomorrow, what would you do with it? What kind of world would you want to create? What kind of spaces would you gather people in? How can you take a step toward that reality right now with whatever you have in the bank? It's not about being fancy or snobby. Accessibility and authenticity are still the names of the game here. But Anna gave her associates, followers, and friends a world so alluring they could almost taste it. And she never apologized for the scale of her dreams. She expected the world to rise to meet her expectations. Surely we can expect nothing less of our own brands and the areas where we have full creative control. This week, don't just show us where you are and where your clients are. Show us where we're all going. Let us revel in possibility with you. It's not selfish, it's not braggy, and it's certainly not criminal. For when we take a leap into someone else's big idea, it gives us gorgeous permission to continue to explore until we find our own. And hey, Anna, if you're hearing this, I'd still love to interview you. 
no prison talk, just as the two legitimate businesswomen that you've been all along. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit. <laughs>